one announcement and then a follow-on. First of all, we've had the uh, Younger Heart trip that was in the foyer sign-up. It's going to be Friday instead of Thursday. It was in the bulletin for Thursday. If you show up Thursday, you're not going unless you drive on your own. But it's going to rain all day Thursday, so they're going to move that to Friday. We're going to move that to Friday, so put that on your calendar. Lastly, tonight is a very special service for us. It's our missions emphasis, and we've got Ryan Redfern, his family. I don't know how many of his family is going to join us. They're going to be here at 5 p.m. tonight sharing with us about the call of God on their lives to Africa. Come on, amen. And uh, we are adding, we've been adding a... Uh, uh, a light finger food fellowship to the end of our mission service. We're trying next year, 2020, we're going to try to have one a month on the third Sunday. I've already had five or six missionaries that have reached out to me, and I've got them scheduled. And we're just going to try. I mean, that's a part of who we are. It's our DNA. It's, it's God said, go into all the world. And some of us may not be able to go. We may not feel the call of God to lead us to Africa. But we can help somebody go that the call of God's been upon their life. So come out tonight. It'll be, we'll have worship. Then we'll turn the service over to Ryan, and uh, they'll minister the word of the Lord to us today. You're in the right house this morning. The Lord's put a word in my heart, and you certainly have brought God what he so richly deserves. I think Joe captured it best when he said, God inhabits the praises of his people, right? And you became praisers in this room today, and you created a habitation for God. And if you would stand with me today, Genesis chapter 39 or 49, we're going to read five verses of Scripture. We are going to go ahead and read it before praying today. It might be a familiar passage to some of you. It's verse number 22 through 26. I'll give you the context of it here in, uh, after a while in just a, a, a few short minutes. Here in chapter number 49, verse 22, this is Jacob speaking as Jacob, the aged patriarch, is blessing his children. Before he was to draw his feet up and give up the ghost. So this is to a degree a deathbed moment in the life of the patriarch. And he has been speaking over prophetically over each one of his 12 sons and their descendants. And now he comes to Joseph and he says, Joseph is a fruitful bow. A fruitful bow by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong. By the hands, notice this, 24th verse, of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, stone of Israel. Notice these words in the 25th verse also. By the God of your father, who will help you. And by the Almighty, who will bless you. With the blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lie beneath, Blessings of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of your father, have excelled the blessings of my ancestors. So what he's saying is, who's J Joseph's father, Jacob is, he's saying the blessing that's been on me is, has excelled the blessings that was on my father, Abraham and Isaac, my ancestors. For up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. And I want, you, I want you to focus with me, if you would, just real quickly on the 24th verse there, where the words of, jo of Jacob himself said, This blessing that's upon you is upon you, and I speak it prophetically because we've seen God do things. 
by his mighty hand, and notice how he said it, by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. And that's what's in my heart today, the mighty God of Jacob. And if you'll pray with me, we'll ask the Lord to take us farther into the holy place and we'll experience his presence through his word. Father, I love you and I'm grateful today for a privileged opportunity to share the word of God. I truly believe that you have prepared my heart to preach this word. And I pray today, Father, that the people of God have prepared their heart in receiving the word of the Lord. And I pray there'll be nothing in us or nothing in me that would hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in preaching. As equally as the Holy Spirit can move in prayer and in praise, Father, you can move in preaching. God, let the people receive this word today in Jesus' name. And all God's children said amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for your reverence before the Lord. Let me give you just a little bit of a basis before we go into the heart of this message, into the context of this particular message, if I can. In our culture today, as people begin to experience an awakening of their faith, one of the things that they begin to search for, it seems to me, through my observation, is some type of purpose, some type of divine purpose, something that says, maybe not to the full extremity that Jesus said, you may remember that he stood before Pontius Pilate and he said, to this end I was born. And so maybe not to that full extremity that we find ourselves, but we're searching for that thing that gives validation and affirmation. We're searching for that thing that causes us as we get up in the morning to have a confidence, have joy in our heart because we know that we are doing and we're not only doing, but we're being who God's called us to be and then also what he's called us to do. And it's a journey. It's a journey of faith. Sometimes we have a revelation like Saul of Tarsus with a bright light and something knocks you off of your horse. And, and God takes you deeper into his call. But for others of us who don't have quite that dramatic encounter with God, it is a daily process of just learning and growing and fellowshipping and hearing and listening and saying, God, I just want to be who you have called me to be. And I want to be able to leave behind me a heritage of faith that I've marked people with. And I believe that that resounds in your heart. Now, some of you may never have sat down and thought about it quite um, as, as, you know, as deeply as I just mentioned. You may have never sat down with pen and paper and started searching and writing down. And, but others of you, I guarantee you have. But even if you haven't done it as, as, as purposeful as I've just mentioned, you've thought about it. Because it's the thing that, if you don't have it, it's the thing that you recognize through the lack of it. Because when you have it, it changes everything about you. Because you know that the God of all gods formed you. And he put within you a call. And he put within you a purpose. He put within you a life. And you want to then live that life for his glory. And even during the dark days, the challenging days, you know, I could pray. I've had this revelation in my life, and I could pray this day, this morning. I'd say, God, if you strip away everything from my life, everything from my, like Job, from my family to my house to everything, God, as long as I have the anointing of God upon my life, I'm going to stand in that pulpit and minister the word of God to the people of God because that's the purpose that God's put inside my heart. You may not be called to stand behind a pulpit, but you're still called to bring God glory. 
You're still called to fulfill the destiny. And I believe, and I know we as preachers, we sometimes use these terms that have, you know, just, just kind of sparkle, like divine destiny. I'm going to mention that here in just a moment. But I, I don't want to diffuse that. I want to embrace that. See, Jeremiah, God said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I already knew you. And I called you and I sanctified you to be a prophet. I want you to know Jesus echoed similar words when he said, a hair can't even fall to the ground from your head that your heavenly Father doesn't already take notice of. You know, God knows everything that there is about us, and we're here for his purposes. We're here to bring him glory in everything that we do. And you do not, many of you may have not known this, but why is the house more full today? Because some of you got up this morning... And you didn't even know it, but you just said, you know what, I'm going to First Assembly. You didn't even know what it was. It was because there was divine purpose inside you that said, I got to get up. I can't just sit here and, and watch television today. I, gotta, I can't just go garden today. I can't just go out and drive the lawnmower today. No, I got something inside me is compelling me to go. And it's that divine destiny inside you because God has a word to speak to you today and to challenge you. When I think about, I was preparing, I'm going to just go ahead and lead in just real quickly. I believe in taking the, some of the, the stories of Scripture speak to me. I believe that they're living. And, and, and they're captured on parchment. They're captured in front of us because you and I can identify with these. We read those and all of a sudden it may be the patriarch Jacob, but you know what? No, it's Jojo, right? It's you, it's Shane, it's Leroy, it's us. That's who we are. We're connected in that passage. And we don't just see them. We see ourselves in that moment. And we find that, that we understand and we learn how God is dealing because how God dealt with them, to a degree, he's going to also reveal himself to us as well. And we're going to learn. And it also helps us to see that all these men and women of prominent faith in the Word of God, they didn't have it all together initially. They may have ended well, but they didn't always begin real well. Have you ever remember at the racetrack, and I don't mean the racetrack like some of you used to slip away to. I'm talking about like Brent Patchell used to run on, where they fired the gun and you took off running, and everybody takes off, and somebody's kind of just still stuck at the block. Occasionally that happens. That may have been you, and you may have not started just right on time, but that doesn't mean you can't catch up. Right? doesn't mean you can't catch up and you can't overcome and overtake and become the person you can be crowned the victor in this journey that we call life. And I want to take you into the heart of this particular message for just a moment and lead into it because it's the story is about Jacob. Even though the text we read was about Joseph, but the context was actually about Jacob as Jacob was nearing the end of his life and he spoke a prophetic blessing over his children. But when you look back into the history, there's a particular moment in Jacob's life Jacob is one of the, uh, the narratives in all the Old Testament that we get a lot of detail about. We don't, all, we don't hear that much about even his father Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. Abraham was the patriarch of the faith. Abraham's the one that received the call of God. When the scripture tells us he was dwelling in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, modern day in that Babylonian area, Mesopotamia, the scripture says that he heard somehow in the midst of a pagan culture, he heard from God and God said, I want you to rise and go to a land that I will show you. And from that, the promise was given that his descendants would be as the stars of the sky. And God gave him, the Bible says, a promise to Abraham when he had no children. 
And the scripture then tells us that he gave him a promised son of Isaac. And you know that narrative and you've read that narrative. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about Isaac. We see Isaac falling in love with a young lady by the name of Rebecca. Isaac is 40 years of age. He marries her. And the scripture tells us, though, after a period of being married for some time, they had no child. Rebecca had no child. Her womb was not open. And he didn't fall into the, uh, the, the failure of his father Abraham by bringing his, her maidservant into his tent. And the scripture says, rather, you know what Isaac did? Isaac prayed. Isaac said, God, my wife is barren, doesn't have a child, and, and I'm going to believe God. And the Bible says God entreated his prayer. God heard his prayer. And the Lord promised blessing. And as, as uh, Rebecca is, you know, progressing in her pregnancy, I mean, things are twisting up on the inside of her. She knows there's a party going on in there. Something is moving, and a prophetic word is given to her that there are two children. Now, this is in the days before ultrasound. This is uh, God to have the ability to look inside. Amen. And he said, there's two children in your womb, which represents two nations, and there'll be conflict from birth. And it came to pass exactly as the prophetic word was given that when they were born, Esau was the firstborn. The Bible says he came out red because he was hairy. And so he, he was reddish in color, and he's the firstborn. But then the scripture says that a second child was born who reached up as he's coming out of the, the vaginal womb. The Bible says that he reaches up and catches hold of his brother's heel. And so they said, you know what, we're going to name the first one Esau because he's red like a hairy garment. But we're going to name the second one Jacob, which means the supplanter or one who takes by the heel. And there was a prophetic word that was even spoken over the children that said that the lesser, the younger, would be the greater and so there was conflict in the womb. Now, the reality is, if you want to jump forward now to our generation and say, I'm going to turn on CNN, I'm going to turn on Fox News, and I'm going to see what's going on in the Middle East and all the contention, you're seeing the continuation of what began thousands, literally thousands of years ago when two brothers came out of the womb squabbling, and they're still squabbling to this day. And so as they began to grow, the Scripture tells us that these two boys were just worlds apart. Now, I can't preach all of it today, but it's a fun story, and I've preached it on three or four different occasions. The Bible says that Esau became a man of the field. You know that I've kind of worked with that before as I've shared that. That meant that he was from Shirley. And that meant a part of his clothing was uh, camouflaged at all times. He was ready. He had the bow. He was ready to go. That meant hunting season was 365 days a year. And he was all, so I heard a few amens, maybe some folk from Shirt or from Rosebud over here. I heard that coming from the parish clan coming through. And so that's the Bible tells us he was a man of the field and such Isaac, his father was drawn to him because, you know, he was the baseball player, the football player. You know that. You can build that up in your mind. I mean, he did have the four-wheel drive. He had all those things. And then the Bible tells us that Jacob came out. And you can also work with that. And the Scripture says he was a man of the plains, and he dwelt in a tent. And what would that mean to us? He's a mama's boy. And so then the Scripture says that alone creates some contention because there's jealousies between the boys because of the affirmation that they're seeking from their father. And the Scripture then tells us there's a couple of critical moments in Jacob's life that if we bypass that, then you won't understand where I'm going to take in just a moment. One of the accounts is, is when Esau came from the field. He came from the field one day, and he's famished because he had gone out hunting, and he didn't take any game. And he came... And he's famished, and he's coming closer to the tent, and he comes to Jacob's tent, and he can smell the sweet aroma of fresh 
pottage, a soup uh, that's been boiled, a lentil soup. And so he asked Jacob, he says, Jacob, I need, uh, can you give me a bowl of soup? And Jacob said, Jacob is, is, is called a deceiver, and he's a supplanter, and he saw, he saw this moment as an opportunity where he could gain something. And he's like, he said, I'll give you a bowl of soup, but you've got to give me your birthright. Now, that's a powerful moment. I can't really develop that for the sake of time, but the birthright was that of the firstborn. And in that culture, sometimes it could be, the, it could be twofold. It could be double the blessing of the family and their inheritance when the parents passed away and was passed to the second generation. It could be double the inheritance. But in that moment, Esau didn't care about it. Esau lost sight of the greater good for an immediate need. And there's a lot we could talk about, but we'll have to move on from there. And so he said, what good is my birthright right now? Just give me the stinking bowl of soup. And he sold, he sold his birthright for one morsel of meat, the Bible says. So Jacob supplants him that first time. And then the scripture says, as things, as their lives mature a little bit, Isaac's eyes begin to grow dim, and he knows he's not going to live that much longer. Or at least he thinks he's not going to live that much longer. And so he said, you know what, before I die, I want to bless my children, especially Esau, the firstborn. I want to bless him. Rebecca hears about it. Remember, her affection is towards Jacob, whereas Isaac is towards Esau, and Isaac sends Esau into the field to get him fresh venison. It was right on the edge of deer season, but he didn't need season, remember? So he went out in the woods to go look for the, the food. Rebecca heard about it, and she said, we're going to get the blessing. We've already got the birthright, and we're going to get the blessing. You know the story. Many of you do, but it's still we have to mention it, or when I take you in a few moments, you won't understand the, the, the power of the moment that's about to come. And the scripture says that she put on sheepskin on him that was hairy and told him to change his voice. And Isaac can't see. And he goes in bringing food that Rebecca hastily prepared out of the sheepfold rather than the field. And the scripture says that he goes in and he presents it to his father. And he says, come near, my son. I want to bless you. And as he gets ready, he reaches up and he touches him. He said, your voice sounds weird to me. Hasn't quite matured. It's not quite deep as of yet. He said, you sound like Jacob. But then when he felt his neck, he said, you feel like Esau. And so he prayed the prophetic blessing upon his son. And no sooner than Jacob had left the tent. Let me tell you, that, when that prophet or that patriarch spoke a blessing, I'm telling you, God was obligated to fulfill his word. He was obligated, and that blessing was going to come on Jacob. Well, no sooner than the tent doors closed behind him than they opened with Esau bringing in the venison that he had taken in the field and prepared. And when he did, Isaac said, who are you? And he said, well, I'm Esau. I'm doing what you asked me to do. And at that moment, even with the dim eye, there was realization in Isaac that he had been deceived and he had spoken the blessing. That's the scripture that says Esau sought the blessing carefully, even with tears. And he did not obtain it. He was blessed by his father, but not with the power of the blessing that was spoken over the firstborn. But that moment created an animosity in Esau's heart so great that he determined that he would wait till the day his, his father died and that mourning would be passed and he would lay in wait and he would kill his brother. Word got back to Rebecca and Rebecca said, you know what, I can't let this happen. And she talked to Isaac and she said, let's send Jacob away all the way to Haran. Now, let me tell you how important that is for you to catch. That's a journey 550 miles north by foot. That she said, can you imagine that today, right now? 
taken out with nothing but a staff and a little bit of resources of provision to go to the land of her fathers and find a spouse. So she sends him, and on the first day, and this is infamous in church history, on the first day, Jacob, the supplanter and the deceiver, stops, and he pillows his head on a stone, and he closes his eye in sleep and slumber, and while there in that place with his head pillowed on the stone, God reveals himself to him. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of your father Isaac, and I'll be your God too, Jacob. And he saw God on a ladder with angels ascending and descending. Uh, One preacher said it's the day shift and the night shift as they were ascending up into the presence of God. And when Jacob woke up out of sleep, the Bible says that he knew something powerful had happened in his life. And he said, how dreadful is this place. He discerned the Spirit of God. He discerned the presence of God. And he said, this is a holy place, and I didn't even know it. And he took oil. He had just a little bit of oil that he traveled with, and he poured it on the rock that he had pillowed his head. And he said, I'm going to call this house, this place Bethel, which means the house of God, because the presence of God was in this house, and I didn't even know it. And he made a covenant with God that day. And he said, God, if you'll bring me back to this place, I'll be your servant I'll follow you and you'll be my God the scripture says that his journey then took him all the way 550 miles north all the way to Haran where there he went into the house of Laban and that's where this thing gets all wacky you talking about bachelorette and bachelor that's when this thing gets way way out there almost on the edge of Jerry Springer like for just a little bit of time because he works hard for seven years to marry the youngest daughter of, her, of his uncle Laban. Her name is Rachel. And so the wedding day comes. Bible says that he worked for seven years. And it was just like one day to him. He was so infatuated with the beautiful Rachel. But the scripture says on the day of the wedding she's given to him in marriage And they consummate their marriage after probably a little bit of drinking on the night before and in the dim light of the tent. And he gets up in the morning and he wipes his eyes and he's not looking at beautiful Rachel. He's looking at dim-eyed Leah, the older sister. That's where that thing gets way out there. But you got to see, God will tell the whole story. Did y'all hear? I'm saying God tells the whole story because there are times you say, why is all that junk in there? God put it in there to let you know your life's not too messed up. To discover your divine purpose. Because some of you probably came out of even worse situations than that. And Laban said to Jacob, when Jacob said, what what in the world has happened? This is not the woman I was espoused to. And he said, in our culture, we can't give the elder or the younger before the elder. Serve me the rest of this week. And he said, and then serve me for seven more years and I'll go ahead and I'll give you Rachel. But he would give her Rachel. Give him Rachel at the end of the seven days. So it's all wacky. You've got to be careful. You've got to filter that when you read it. And the scripture says over the next 20 years, Jacob worked hard. He was a shepherd. If you don't think being a shepherd is difficult, then here, I'll take these shoes off and let you stand in them for a little while. Because being a shepherd is a difficult thing at times. Even in that culture, it was actual physical sheep that he was taking care of. And that means that he was in the desert by day, And some people say, what about, well, at least it's cool. No, it's freezing by night. Alyssa and I was driving through the desert coming back from Los Angeles, and she's like, I'm about to freeze to death. I said, Alyssa, that's because the desert is colder at night as it is as hot during the day. And so Jacob talked about it and said, you know, he said, it's difficult, it's hot by day, it's cold by night, wild beasts are coming, but all that's taking place, God's blessing Jacob. 
And what, the reason why I came to this house today, there's some of you, you not realize that all the while a blessing was following you and you didn't even know it. You say, Pastor, well, how is that? Because many of you that I'm preaching to today, there was somebody over you. Somebody went in front of you. Somebody spoke a prophetic blessing over your life. And the blessing of God's been coming upon you, even though you've not realized the fullness of God's destiny in your life. And so Jacob's being blessed. God took the wealth of Laban. It's a powerful story where the wealth of Laban was actually transferred to Jacob. And Jacob amasses a huge host over 20 years. The Bible says he's got men servants. He's got maid servants. He's got camel, cattle, and sheep. He crossed the ford to Jabbok with nothing but a stick and nothing more than just a little pouch. And he gets ready to go after 20 years, and God's made him a company. By this time, his wives have produced for him 12 sons plus daughters. He's got a household. A household has grown. But the Bible tells us that it became contentious between he and Laban. And he determined that it was no, he heard from God in a dream. And here's where we're going to begin to go, and I'm going to narrow this message. And I'm omitting a lot of this story for the sake of time to take you to this moment where I want you to hear where I believe God got you up this morning and woke you up and said, get up and go back to First Assembly today because the preacher heard from God two days ago. God put a word in my heart that you needed to hear. And so Jacob got up one day and he said, God spoke to me in a dream, the God of my father Abraham and the God of my father Isaac because that's how, God, that's how Jacob knew God. He didn't know him on a personal basis. He only knew him through his heritage of faith. He didn't know him through his own communion. He didn't know him through his own encounter with God. He had met God at the house of God at Bethel. He had met the presence of God, but he didn't have fellowship. He didn't walk away with communion. He didn't walk away a changed man. He remembered the place. He knew it was sacred. He knew it was holy, but it didn't mark his life so deeply that it altered his character. And so he heard from God that night in the dream, and he told his wives and said, we got to go. It's time for us to go. We're going to make our journey back to the land of my father's 550-mile journey back south through the heat of the desert, through the cold of the desert, through the struggles of the desert. But God was leading them that direction. And as they begin this journey, as they get closer, listen to this. i got to take you into this. As they get closer... As they get closer, Jacob hears that Esau, his brother, has heard that he's making his way back down from Haran where he had been for 20 years. Now, Jacob couldn't call beforehand and talk to Esau and work this thing out. And he finds out it's not Esau coming alone. He's coming with 400 armed men. And Jacob's a man of the plains. He's never wet a sword a day in his life. He doesn't know anything about it. And he's afraid. you got to read this on your own. It's in Genesis 32. I'm telling you, sometimes the fear of the loss can move you to a place of faith that you never really knew that God was leading you into, but God was leading you there all along. Because Jacob began to realize, I've put my family at risk, my wives at risk, my children are now at risk, He's fearful, and he prays to God. And here's how he approaches God. Here's how his prayer is. God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, 
I need your help. You remember me? I pillowed my head at Bethel. I told you I'd come back. Here I am. I don't know how to do. I don't know what to do with this situation. My family could be killed. I need your help. That's all he knew how to pray. I'm telling you, the prayer of desperation sometimes is a prayer that's heard in heaven. If it's born of sincerity. And the Bible tells us from that moment, this is what I want you to see. And I brought you to this house today to begin to tell you what took place in the next few verses of Scripture in chapter number 32. This is what God put in my heart, and this is what i got to talk to you about. The Bible says that, J- that Jacob then did something a little bit different. Jacob sent his wives and his children across the ford of Jabbok, the river or the ford of the creek that flowed. And the scripture says that he sent them apart across with all of his men servants, all of his maid servants, all of his cattle, all of everything about with his family. And for some odd reason, Jacob stays right where he's at. He stays there for no apparent reason other than something's going on on the inside of him. I'll tell you what was going on. God was about to awaken divine destiny. God was about to awaken that when he called Abraham, he didn't just call Abraham, he called Isaac. And when he called Isaac, he didn't just call Isaac, but he called Jacob. And Jacob had been running from it for 20 and 30 years, but he could run no farther. Because when God gets ready to get you, you better get ready. You can't escape the compulsion of God. God will pull you close to him. Because if you're his, then the devil can't have you. Glory to God. The devil cannot have you. And Jacob, in the solitude of the night, under the stars of a desert sky, the Scripture says something happened to him. And a man appeared to him. That was a Shatakaya Mosia moment, wasn't it? Because you're sitting out there in the desert all by yourself, and somebody appears. The Scripture says that someone appeared. And I wrote it this way. Number one, these are a few points I'm going to drop down in your heart. To discover your divine destiny you got to have a divine encounter. Let me say it one more time. It's not the will of God for you to walk around with divine destiny inside you because a parent or a grandparent or a preacher prophesied divine destiny over you. you got to have a divine encounter of the presence of God that awakens the life of God that's on the inside of you. Your divine destiny will forever lay on the inside of you until you have a divine encounter with a holy God that will change everything. I wrote it in my notes. Everything is about to change. And for some of you under the sound of my voice today, everything is about to change. It's all going to look different from this day forward because you're going to meet the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. You're going to meet him in a very personal way. Number two... I wrote it this way. In this found in in Genesis 32 and verse number 24, Jacob was left alone. I put it in my notes. True and authentic faith and conversion is between you and God. Man, I feel my preacher coming on me right there. I want to say it one more time. True and authentic faith and conversion. Give me a little more volume right here in my ears if you would. True and authentic faith and conversion is between you and God. It was said from this pulpit several weeks ago, you got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This isn't between you and your mama and your daddy, and this isn't between the preacher. This is between you and God, that there's a void, a space between you and God, and it's only filled by your faith. It's only filled when you begin to pursue after God. Nobody can do it for you. you got to act. You got to seek Him on your own. Jacob is determined in this moment 
that he knows that this is his moment. This is when something's about to change. I don't know what it was that moved him. Was it the full desperation of the potential loss of his family? I don't know what it was, but something shook up on the inside of him. And he said, you know what? This thing, I've got to get this thing worked out. Because that angel came to him, and all of a sudden, he didn't just come to bless him. He didn't just come to sprinkle holy dust on him. All of a sudden, a wrestling match incurs right there. That was WWF. Going down. I know on Friday nights, Fox calls it the smackdown. That was the original smackdown right there under the desert night sky. It was Jacob wrestling all night. All night. I don't, t- I don't care how long it takes. It, whatever it takes to awaken the divine destiny on the inside of you. And a prayer gets uttered off of the lips of Jacob unlike he's never uttered before. And here's what he said. He said, I'm, the angel said, I want you to get off of me. I want you to let go of me. You've held me all night. I've got other things to do. Because I mean, no angels are sent on assignment. They're always working. And the angel, maybe as the dawn began to break, maybe he was night shift angel and he had to get back to heaven. And he said, I got to get out of here. You got to let me go. And Jacob said this. He said, I will not let you go. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now listen real quickly, I put it this way, somebody under the sound of my voice needs to get a life grip on God. You need to get a life grip on God and say, God, I'm going to hold on to you until the blessing of God comes upon me because of my petition, not because of the prophetic unction of somebody who was over me in the Lord. He prays a prayer, I won't let you go except you bless me. I wrote it this way, number four, verse number 27 and 28. The angel then, in the midst of the struggle, says, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. If you study the scriptures, and I've already told you, Jacob means a deceiver, a supplanter. But the angel said, because you've struggled with God and has prevailed, you'll not be called Jacob anymore in heaven. He was still called Jacob on the earth. But I'm telling you, before something happens here, God's already made assignment of it up here. And God said, from this day forward, when I look down upon you, I see you as Israel, which means a prince from God, a prince of God, one that struggled with God and has prevailed. Number four, the point is for you today, true conversion will change your identity. Let me say it one more time. It'll change your identity who you used to be, your character, your dreams, your aspirations. He will begin a work in you on the inside out. He'll change you from the inside, and he'll begin to work it on the outside. He'll change who you are, where you've been, that won't change. But who you are, that has changed. How you relate, the way you look at life, everything about you will change because the God that begins a good work in you, he's faithful to do everything that he said he would do. You've been called Jacob, but now you'll be called Israel. Number five, I love verse number 29 because this is something we got to catch in a moment. I'm going to preach, and I'm going to close. Are you all okay in just a moment? But let the preacher finish today. I'm going to let me finish here today. I don't, don't, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good because we're just now about to get to the heart of this thing. Jacob asked in verse number 29, the angel said, what's your name? Now Jacob says, what is your name? And I wrote it this way. You've got to begin to inquire about God, not just God inquiring about you. So something's changed. Now God, now Jacob wants to know about God. I'll tell you when we begin to see change in our lives, when we begin to note that it's authentic change, when we want to know more about this God that so loved us, 
that he could not leave you in sin and in darkness and in wickedness. He loved you so much that his own son stepped out of his own bosom. Come on, somebody. And he nailed him to a tree so that his lifeblood, his lifeblood would be redemption for you so that you would have an access point back to God. That's how much God loves you today, that God watched his own son die on a tree that we call Calvary, on a hill we call Golgotha, so that you and I could have access to a holy, wonderful God, and we could get up every day and say, your mercies are new every morning. God, let me learn about you. Let me know you. Let me walk with you intimately every step of my life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that he blessed him there. Number six, the prophetic blessing will come upon you as a result of your own faith and fervent prayer before God. Come on, that's when it's your blessing. The reality is some of you are living, you are living in the blessing that's been spoken over you prophetically by someone else. But your whole life will change when it's your prayer. Come on now, church family. When it's your prayer, when you begin to walk in the quiet and dark place and say, God, I need you today more than I need my next breath. I need your favor. I need your grace. I need your blessing. I need you for myself. Come on, somebody. Number seven, it's found in the 30th verse. Jacob then called the place of that wrestling Peniel, which means I have seen God face to face and my life is saved. I put it this way. Your fear of God will change. Now, you'll still have a reverence for God, but remember at Bethel, does anybody remember at Bethel? He said, this place is dreadful. He was afraid of God. But from that day forward, he said, I have seen God face to face, and my life is changed. Glory to God. Number eight today, genuine conversion will mark and be marked by a new walk of faith in your life. When you've had a true encounter with God, you won't be the same. You say, Pastor, man, I'm going through life and life, and I'm still in the same cycle of, well, then you haven't had an encounter with God at the depth that he wants you to have. Because when you've encountered God at a level that he intends for you to have, you will never be the same again. No, 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 not ever. Now, we can send you to Sunday school class. We can put you in discipleship. We can put you, if you've got an addictions, we can send you to in a recovery program. All that's good, but it won't produce change inside of you until you've had a Peniel, until you've had a face-to-face encounter when all of a sudden through the darkness and through the clouds and through the smoke and through the fears and through the uncertainties, the glorious image of thy Savior appears. And he's, that fresh vision of who Jesus is gets on the inside of you. That's what will change you. I've told this story before. I won't take time to detour it. But it came to me through the words of my own daughter, Ashley, who's a, 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 her and her husband are pastoring down in El Dorado. But she went through a little season of life where she was kind of just away from God and not doing what God had called her to do. And then she said what changed it. And I love what she said. And I will echo her words today. She said, I had a revelation of Jesus Christ. When you have a revelation of who Jesus is, church changes. Everything about you changes when you know Him and the fullness of His glory and the brightness and the express image of the Father abiding in the person of Jesus Christ, then you will never, ever be the same again. Your life will be changed. You'll be changed by the glory of God. And the Bible says that part of that change was affected because in that, I got two more points and I'm closing. Listen very carefully. His change was affected because in that wrestling match, the angel touched him 
in the hollow place on his thigh. And when he did, he dislodged it. And the Bible says that Jacob would walk with a limp. He would walk with a limp the rest of his life. And the Bible says he would lean upon his staff. And I wrote it this way. When you had an encounter with God, then you'll have a new dependency upon God. And you'll lean upon him for everything. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. I don't want to do anything unless I got the blessing of God upon my life. I don't want to go here or go there. I don't want to do this or do that unless I know I'm walking. I may be limping when I'm walking, but I'm walking in the favor of God. But I'm leaning upon the Lord, being dependent upon Him. And lastly today, as I close, just a moment of Scripture. Jacob, what caught my attention, I was sharing this with Shane before service. I said, I caught this as I studied. I want you to, let me, let me close this message off the right way, because I prayed over this message. And I said, God, there's three things I want to pray about this message. I want to pray the way I lead into it. It's got to be led into correctly. I want to pray about the content that's in the middle, but I want to pray about the way it closes. Because if I fail in my, my endeavor to share with you, and you did get distracted, and you don't see this closing, you may have missed the whole thing on this journey. So I, show, I was sharing with Shane, and I said, Shane, I saw this in Scripture. I saw how that Jacob spoke about God up until this Peniel. Whenever he spoke about God, he said, the God of Abraham. And he said, the God of Isaac. Now, if you do a little Bible study, first of all, anytime you see God in the, in the King James Version of the Bible, it's either El, which means God in, in general, or it's Elohim. Elohim simply means the supreme being. And that's how he knew. He said, that's how he knew. The supreme being of Abraham. He knew that his father was earthly, his grandfather was earthly, but he knew he was not an atheist or an agnostic. He knew there was a supreme being. Amen. He knew that there was somebody orchestrating in the affairs of men, but he wasn't a personal God to Jacob. But from that moment at Peniel, he never alludes to him as the God of Abraham or the God of Isaac. He simply alludes to him as God or God Almighty. Now, God Almighty in the original language is El or Elohim Shaddai, meaning God Almighty. So when we see this story come to a close, let me close it out today. I'm going to ask at least some of the worship team. I don't know how many. Shane, at least you, if you would, would come back. And anyone else that might come back that wants to, let's just pray. See how we close this message off today. I want you to jump in time. Many years from that moment pass. Jacob's watched his children and his children grow in front of his eyes. And he gets ready to bless his sons and daughters before his demise. And he begins at Reuben. And Levi, and he goes all the way down, and he comes to Benjamin. And then from Benjamin, he comes to Joseph. Or maybe I have that out of order. He probably came to Joseph and then to Benjamin. But he comes to Joseph, and Joseph held a very special place in Jacob's heart because he lost Joseph, you remember, right, for many years, thinking he was devoured by a wild beast when God had... God had taken him providentially into Egypt in front of them where their family would go and be sojourning for 400 years where God would make a nation from a family. 
But what we see in Scripture this moment here that I took you to in the opening text was we see an aged patriarch like Isaac was when he stole the blessing. And now Jacob has his sons in front of him, and he's got Joseph. And for all those years, we see Jacob having ran from God, and he only alluded to God as the God of his father Abraham and the God of his father Isaac. But on that day, I could see Jacob, now Israel, the aged patriarch, just moments away from breathing his last breath before he draws his legs up under him and departs and gives up the ghost and steps into eternity. With tears on his face, he puts his hand on Joseph's head and he says, may the blessing of heaven be upon you and may the blessing of God that's been on my life that's exceeded the blessing that was on Abraham and that exceeded the blessing that was on Isaac And he said, I bless you, Joseph, this day, but I don't bless you in the name of the God of my father, Abraham. And I don't bless you this day in the name of the God of Isaac. But I lay my hands on you today, and you're going to be blessed every day of your life because of the blessing that's coming upon you because of the mighty God of Jacob. And that's when we know everything went full circle. When the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac became the God of Jacob. And I wonder how many people under the sound of my voice today that came in here this morning and you didn't know it when you got up, but God said, I'm going to set you up today. I got a Peniel waiting on you right here. I got a face-to-face encounter because it's time for you to live in the power of my prophetic blessing. But God wants to bless you because he loves you. Not because a father or a mother or a preacher or a pastor spoke it over you, but because you've got communion with the Father. So when I closed my sermon, I said, God, i got to call this message the mighty God of Jacob. The mighty God of Jacob. But I could put an addendum to it today and say, you know what? Between you and God, the question is, is he your God today? I think that's a fair question. Can we say he's the mighty God of Lee Brown? Can you say he's the mighty God in your life? Can you say that? Do you have such a communion and a fellowship and a confidence? I want to ask everybody to stand up with me for just a moment. I heard the phone ding. I know it's afternoon hour today. All of us pastors know how difficult it is to deal with church when, the, when the, we hit the noon hour, all that. But you know what? All that, I got to lay all that aside. And i got to say this, there is divine destiny in the heart of some of you under the sound of my voice. But it will lay there dormant until you have a peniel, a face-to-face encounter where everything inside you gets unlocked. Everything inside you gets made known. And you say, God, I need you today to be my God. Not my father's, not my mother's, not first assemblies, not my grandparent, not anybody else. I need this to be for me. I need this to be for me. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed. It's been a sweet spirit in this house from the very beginning. But church family, would you take a moment to pray? Would you take just a moment? Don't rush out of here. Don't head to the back. I'm going to give an invitation. 
It's harder and harder to give altar calls in today's time. People don't want to come forward. They don't want to be singled out. They don't want to be separated. Let me tell you, Jacob's life really changed. Not when he went to Bethel. He went to church. That was good. But it didn't mark him to the degree that it did when he sat beside the brook all alone. And he met with God. So you can come to the house of God and not really encounter God to the degree that you're changed. But you can come to the house of God and encounter God. But the key is you. It's not God. God's here. God's waiting. God's in your closet. He's in your car. He's beside the beach. He's wherever that you will stop running and you'll embrace His presence. That's where He'll meet you at. But you know what? I feel in my heart today, we can make the front of this assembly a peniel. We can make it a place where you meet with God. A place where you come forward in faith and say, you know what? Now's my time. God's calling me. God's calling me. I hear him. He's calling me. He wants me to seek him. He wants me to petition him. He wants me to run to him. As our heads are bowed and our eyes closed today, I'm only doing that just to create just a little bit of solitude, a little bit of a sanctuary. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, because I'm going to call you forward. I know it takes courage. I know it takes a lot of courage. But it took a lot of courage for Jacob to remain alone and wrestle with an angel all night because he was moved by his plight and it led him to his destiny. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I didn't know it when I got up this morning, but God led me to this house. He led me to hear this service or this message. And now he's leading me to the front because I need an opinion. I need a moment of divine encounter. I need to know the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob needs to be my God today. And if that's you today, I want you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to, but I am going to ask you to have the courage just to begin to make your way right to the front. Your head's bowed, your eyes closed, but right now you that want to join me here, just lift up your eyes. If you'll be courageous enough, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you today. Some are already coming, one's coming. I believe there's more. They're just saying, this is my moment. This is my moment right now. God's got more for me than what I've held. I feel the Spirit of the Lord. I feel some of you afraid. You're afraid. You say, Pastor, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Well, then let it go. Jacob was afraid. But that fear helped him find and discover his divine destiny. And Peniel, who here among us? There are more today. I'm waiting on you today in the name of Jesus. I'm waiting. Pastor, blessing's been upon me. Favor's been upon me. But it's not because you loosed it in your life. Somebody else loosed it upon you. But you got to get it on you because of you. This is your moment to be the husband God's called you to be. This is, and say, well, pastor, is this just a conversion moment? No, I'm sure the majority, or if not all of these that are at the front, they're already converted. They belong to God, but they want more. They want this new identity. They want to walk in it in a greater depth. And I want to ask you today, I know I'm preaching to more than those that have come to the front. And I'm not trying to manipulate you, and I'm not trying to guilt you, but I'm telling you these little moments of time God gives us, and you don't want this moment to pass you by. God's given you this moment. It's a peniel moment. It's a moment of face-to-face divine encounter with God. The worship team's going to begin to sing. Any of us pastors are coming. We're going to, I'm going to anoint each one of these individuals. 
any of the pastors that may be here under the sound of my voice, could just begin to pray with people. And let's just lay hands on them today. Church family, I want to, if you say, well, Pastor Brown, I'm just going to make a PNL right where I'm at. That's all right, then do it. Don't just say it, do it. For some reason, you say, Pastor, I'm so bothered by coming to the front. I'm all right with that. That's fine. You don't have to be here, but you still got to have a face-to-face, a moment of authentic encounter with God. It may be when the worship team sings. It may be when the person beside you moves over a little bit and gives you some space. I don't know what it is. When that moment comes, you got to take it. You got to take it. You say, Well, Pastor, mine was in worship a few minutes ago. Well, you need to validate it if you would. Validate it very carefully today. In the name of Jesus today, God. special about today from the moment we came in at 1030 I'm sure Jacob had spent a lot of nights out in the desert and he didn't encounter God but that night was special you've probably been to church many times and the reality is here's how I feel as I'm getting ready to pray as powerful and as beautiful as the men and women that came forward I believe there were far more that worship was so powerful today you were experiencing a PNL moment. You were having a face-to-face encounter. I want you to lay hold on God. Lay hold on Him and never let go. When you walk out of this room, you walk with a limp. You lean upon the Lord. Father of heaven, for some odd reason, God, you chose me to be able to share this message. God, there could have been anybody that you chose, but for whatever reason, I was given the privileged responsibility to be able to share this message. And I've done it with all the passion that's inside me. Father, I pray today that this seed has fallen on prepared ground. And that, God, that not, not just this moment, but the days and the weeks, the months, the years, the generations to come, we'll look back. Just like Jacob did. Jacob looked back. When his life really changed. God, there'll be those that will look back. And this was the day. This was the moment when things changed. We walk with a limp. We found our dependency upon you. You're the mighty God of Jacob. You're our God today. And we love you and we're thankful for it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. As you're dismissed today, be reminded there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer for the Young at Heart trip. 5 p.m. tonight, bring a light finger food to share. Welcome these missionaries. Bless.